I never paid attention to people who are yelling at me. I paid attention to all the people that were staying silently nodding at me. But that's what politics is all about. You're there for those people because they're being silenced. They're looking for that advocate that's gonna stand up and be their voice. That's what being a politician is. At its very core, its essence is public service. <laughs>
That's what it comes down to. That's what being a politician is. That's why in the es- at its very core, its essence is public service mm-hmm. because that's the public I'm serving. The loud 10% that hate me, they're always going to hate me. But it's about that other 90, that other 90 that's just looking for the right guy to do the right thing in the right way. And that's what I came up to do. I got involved. I didn't come from a political family. I got involved because I wanted to make a difference. I got involved and I wanted to make a change. My grandfather's the one that introduced me. He was a... He was a former Major League Baseball player for the okay. Phillies back okay. in the day. Great stories I got with that one. Specifically, he used to room with Satchel Paige, who was okay. an icon. So he's the one, and he, he was a he was a court officer. And so he was just somebody that was involved in just engaged in what's going on, just being aware of the news and being informed. And that's what's so valuable is creating an informed electorate, which is something that we're missing today. Instead, we're just yeah. feeding them headlines. We're feeding them social media. You got TikTok algorithms algorithms that make you go down the rabbit hole. But what he was saying is, you gotta know when I was graduating high school, he's like, you gotta watch this. And he goes, you gotta know what's going on with your community. I was like, Pop, this looks so boring. And he goes, just watch it. And I watched the Obama-McCain debates and I got hooked on the the ideas that were being proposed, that were being espoused. And I love the, the discussions, the dialogue. And then from there, it just clicked with me. I was like, this is, I'm like, I'm all about this with making the, the change and effectuating these guys can, by being in office, you could really make a difference to help people. And from there, it just went just on a mission where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm committed to doing. So I guess let's, let's break into Long Island. So I buy a lot of houses, obviously. And 70% of the people I'm buying houses from right now are all saying the same thing to me. I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with it anymore. I don't want to be here. Yep. It's too expensive. It's cold, but that's nobody's fault, right? Yeah. The taxes are just bananas. Taxes. I can't deal with the politics anymore. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to North Carolina. I'm going to Tennessee, but I'm out of here. Yeah. And it's a lot of people, bro. Like it's it's literally it's blowing my mind because people are just people are tired. You know, this is why elections have consequences. When people don't come out to vote, and then they complain about what's happening, that to me is the essence of hypocrisy. That's why, it's a, that's why I believe it's so important to inform the, the electorate, which is why I created the Mike LaPetri Show, which for people to follow on my Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, or my Facebook and, Insta, and Instagram accounts, just to follow my, at Mike LaPetri, because you, you get to learn beyond the headlines about what's actually happening from our leading industry experts across this island about exactly that, whether it be in home buying, which is why I'm gonna have you on because I need to learn and hear all about what you're taught, what you do in a much deeper way. And people I think should be educated in how you've grown yourself and where you become. But in today's in today's society, people are complaining, but they're not showing up to vote. We had yeah. record turnouts, if you think about it, was 2020, you had approximately 160 million people. There's 350 million people. Yeah in the nation. I, th- I think that turnout number was around the 60%. I mean, what is that? It's 40% staying home. 40% who are just complaining and not doing anything. Your job as a civilian, as a citizen, is to show up on election day. That's it. No, That's I- your job. Every year, every single year, local and state and federal elections to show up and just make sure that you're informed about who's running, taking, especially nowadays, which is why I had my TEDx talk, where I talk about the millennial advantage, where you have technology that's all over, that you have no excuse now to not be fully informed. So let me ask you a question. Speaking about technology, right? 
in local politics, which I don't know a ton about, but I know a little bit about, it seems like there is a old school regime. Like whenever I'm at one of these political functions, everybody that like the median age is like 73 years old. <laughs> yeah. Right. No disrespect to them. I mean, listen, but now there's going to be a changing in the guard in the not so distant future. And there's two things. A, I don't see a lot of young people like yourself involved. Right. And two, in a modern, in a modern world where technology is now the thing and social media is the thing, and they're still people are still walking through streets and putting banner signs down. Like, how how has campaigning changed? Have they adopted that? You know, do you see a big shift coming in the next ten years as far as you know who's going to be in government, who's going to be running? Yeah, hands down. I mean, that was something with my campaign. What I was so proud of is that I revolutionized the discussions. Where now I was breaking down bills for people in person, like what I was voting on. I said, "This is what I just voted on. This is why. This is what was in the bill. I voted against it. Voted for it. And these are the reasons why." I used to talk about the budget. I used to talk about um, when I did ride-alongs, especially during the time when um, people were lambasting and firebombing uh, ICE facilities. So I did ride-alongs with ICE and I learned firsthand what they did to protect our communities. So people had issues with that, but point is you created that transparency. And nowadays with that social media specifically, you have the ability to get your message out of above and beyond. Obviously it's, it's changed, become curtailed based on uh, Meta and Facebook and Instagram and their social ad, their special ad categories now and policies where they're prohibiting and limiting, they're shadow banning. Like those are some serious stuff. And Twitter revealed that when Elon Musk took over. So those things are really exist, which is why it's imperative that we who espouse these ideals are focused on creating these competitors and these innovators to create their own their own mediums to to communicate to the people. So for me, I've always looked at it as I got involved because I wanted to be out there for our generation, be out there to say like, we're here, this is our mentality, this is our thoughts, and we wanna make them heard. So I don't wanna have that where in a vacuum, K through 12, you're looking at, we still have an old school way of learning. We're, we're creating, you know, K through 12 in our education system as a whole, you're creating workers instead of you're creating employers. That's what it should be about, right? So it's just the mentality changes there as opposed to just, I have to wait for it as opposed to just making it happen. So as 20s and 30s, you're not seeing them because they're so focused on just getting a job, paying for their student loan bills, healthcare, buying a home, taxes, all that. So finding the love of their life, having children, creating a family, and then being able to afford their lifestyle. By the time you get into your 60s and 70s or 50s, 60s, 70s, that's where you become financially free. But why aren't we teaching financial freedom right at the outset? Yeah. From age 18. Yeah. Why don't we te teaching people of what it means to be financially free? What does it mean to be on your own? How do you do that? How do you create alternative revenues, alternative streams of income? That's what you should be forced fostering back in school. Doing so then allows more people to get more involved in their communities in a, both a charitable way, an altruistic way, but then also in a political way. What do you think the secret is to getting things done? Because in my, my limited experience of politics, it is, it's freaking hard, man. Like you have a hard job. You do. Ego is the enemy. Great book. Highly recommend everyone read it. Ego is the enemy. It's putting aside your egos, putting aside your, your personality and focusing on the goals, which is getting legislation passed, which means you have to compromise, which means you have to work across the aisle, which means you have to hear differing views and ultimately be amenable to hearing facts, especially when you have this cognitive dissonance. So many people, they think one way, one way, one way. And then all of a sudden facts are presented to them that show a different concept. 
Their mind's blown. They don't know how to react. They don't, and they don't want to react. So they ignore, they shout you down, they scream at you, as opposed to just hearing the empirical data that supports your perspective. Also understanding history, which I don't know if you saw, but we've had a significant drop. New, new, uh, new reports came out about, I believe it was eighth grade history. And it's like failing. We're failing. Like our, our kids are nationwide failing in the sense of understanding history and math, et cetera. But that's another story. What it comes down to ultimately is you want to focus on having a dialogue. Back in the day in the 1980s, this is a famous comparison, was Ronald Reagan was a Republican president. Tip O'Neill was a Speaker of the House. He's a Democrat from Massachusetts. Two of them used to compromise all the time. Two of them used to go out afterwards. People would have dinner. Democrats, Republicans have dinner, drinks, shoot the shit. But when they had business, we got to talk about these issues. This is what's very valuable to my district. This is what's going to make it work. This is what's not going to make it work. Nowadays, you can't have it where you're sitting across the table from each other having dinner. If it's a Democrat versus Republican, you'll have the radicals. They'll just they'll slaughter you. Twitter, destroy you. I mean, social media, they just what? capture these these 30 second, 10 second clips and it creates these vitriol and these vacuums of just narratives that the algorithms spew out to put you down that rabbit hole. So what's changed? Everything in sense of technology that has created more polarization, lack of voting, which has created only the extremists who come out in the primaries control because hypothetically, if you're having primaries where, primaries for those who don't understand is like the semifinals of the NCAA. You got the final four, right? So it's like usually like two V two, right? These guys are vying for the Republican and these guys are vying for the Dems. And then the winner, the winner of each uh, goes to the general election head to head in the, in the championship match, right? Mm -hmm. But what's happening is in New York, for example, we have a closed primary system. So that means only Republicans can come out and vote for these people and only Democrats come out for these people. I like that. But the problem is Republicans, all the general moderate Republicans don't come out in the primaries. Likewise, all the moderate general Democrats don't come out in the primaries. So you get the radical leftists that are psychosocialists coming out and then you have the alt-right coming out in here. And guess what? They're gonna choose the most right candidate, the most left candidate. As a result, you get the most right and the most left to choose from for your general election. That's interesting. And nobody, and everyone complains, but then I say, did you come out in the primary? And they go, no. I said, this is your fault. You created this, you, get, you go out there and you as the moderate people, the moderate common sense public, which I believe is 80% of this nation is that moderate voter. And if they came out in the primaries, everything changes. So I agree with you across the board in regards to- You I have think, to, I'm your guest. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think everybody is really, people are very selfish and self-absorbed for the most part, right? Not in a bad way, but they're concerned well, that's with- natural human, human yeah. emotions. They're concerned with their own little world, what's going on in their family, own life. Has it affect my home, my paycheck, et cetera. Exactly. So, and they see what's going on in the headlines. They don't read up, they don't get educated. And like you said, they don't come out to vote. So like, and that's been a problem for a long time. Mm -hmm. How do you fix that? It's by creating more of that personal touch. And the, so many of the communication, the messaging is focused on a macro appeal, which is lowering taxes, right? It's like, give me a break with that. You have to go further and say, no, I'm putting money in your pocket. You wanna spend more money on your kids. You wanna go on that vacation. You're going to vote for my policies. You want to have it where you can afford, you can get baby formula. Remember that whole crisis that was occurring? Yep. You got to vote for my policies. You got to vote for me because I'm going to be there to make it where you could take better care of your family directly. You want safe communities? 
I want to make sure we have support for our law enforcement and we make sure we take out the criminals and focus on protecting our victims, not protecting those that create the victims. So you keep perpetuating that messaging in a more direct, but also more real way. You have to be real. Like people now, people aren't stupid. They see, right? If you're not real, give me a break. Just go fish. You, you see actors and what they're looking for, people are craving is they want that authentic passion for making a difference. They want the real person to be there to make that change and only recognize what the position is there for. Position is there to be a representative, stand by your principles and values. If after an election you lose because of votes that you took, that your district wasn't a fan of and all that, then so be it, that is the way. But so many people are so focused instead in, in politics of maintaining their position of power, quote unquote, in perpetuity, when in reality, then you start compromising the whole point you were there. Yeah. And if you look at, there's, 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 a, there's a story I heard about a nurse it was who questioned, I think, dozens of people on their deathbeds at the end of their life. Mm -hmm. In the last final week leading up to their death, they asked them, what do you regret the most? And the number one regret was, I wasn't true to myself. In some way or another, I compromised my vision or my dreams for this, or I went with this person for that because I chose security instead of my passion. I've, I didn't pursue this career, didn't write that book. And you know, nothing is worse than being buried in the graveyard of wasted talent. And I think for me, that is something so viable and so motivational that I think others need to follow too. And we as America need to pursue as our whole is, is we need to avoid living in that graveyard of wasted talent. The writer who never wrote, the poet that never mm -hmm. wrote their poem, the singer that never sang their song, all because out of fear of or compromise, security or safety. And we need to advance that. And it all starts, frankly, in, my in the education system with the K through 12 is promoting the risks, promoting uh, critical thinking, believing in yourself, uh, developing those skills and expertise that you can be confident with that allows you to become who you are, just like yourself in terms of you take it, buying these homes and really building into a business. You're, you're, that's, that's a risky venture, but it's something that you pursue and have cultivated over the years to become successful. And that's ultimately for your listeners and viewers, some words to be motivated by to, to grow as a society. I think that's how we become dominant again. You think, uh, do you think Long Island's ready for you? And what I mean by that is, after listening to you, you, you're not like a typical politician in the sense that you have very distinct views. You're not, you don't, you don't walk the middle line. You're like, you don't, you make no apologies. It is what it is, right? Well, I, well, I wouldn't say I, I, I'm always going to be adapt to hearing both sides and coming with a, coming with a middle ground to make it work. But the same token, I have a, I have a vision of where I want to see Long Island, New York State, and this country, right? And at the end of the day, you want to reward the people that make great decisions. And those that don't, you want to be there to support them, to, to encourage them to and redirect them to make those good yeah, decisions. Yeah, listen, I meant it in, in the best possible way. Like for me, it was, it was a compliment to you because I love what you're saying. Whereas most politicians I've dealt with are like, they'll run whatever direction yeah, they need they want, to. Because they want to just save their seat. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, 
you're not doing that. You know? Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe that's why. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I mean, I don't think you're crazy. I think, I think you're right. I think you also have a business background, which I appreciate because I think personally, if you're running a country, you have to be able to run a business. Yeah. I'm just in, just involved in government as a whole, right? I mean, just being as a, when I was a legislator I, and when, when I ran for Congress, it was a matter of just being there and saying, Hey, this is what I want to do for the greater good for the, for the people, for our communities. So you got to pursue it and you got to pursue it without hesitation. And I think, you know, that some of the greatest athletes, right? Some of the greatest warriors of our time and our history and our past never hesitated, right? One of the, I mean, that was a, a great quote by Achilles back in the Iliad was never hesitate, right? Uh, or Odysseus or any of our, uh, you look at Caesar and all the others, they, you have to execute on decisions and you just go forward and you have a vision and you just have to go through it and believe in yourself 100%. Some of our greatest UFC fighters now, they actually live by that too in terms of what they pursued is they believe in themselves outright. McGregor was one of those that was a stalwart on it where he always said, he's like, it was just, I was going to do it. There was no other, uh, there was no plan B. Talk to me about the next generation of politicians. Because again, I don't, and maybe they're there and I don't see them, but I don't see a lot of young people like yourself in the Republican Party active, in the Democratic Party active. Is there, and I just, I don't see it. Well, we have a rise in socialism which is going to be a seminal issue and it's going to take hold in the next 10, 10 20 years, definitely. You're seeing a lot of people trying to push and espouse this community, these uh, socialist values, thinking that that's the way to be, when in actuality, it's going to be detrimental and it's uh, people that don't actually know what they're talking about. So, and these are the same people that they, and I've had debates with them where they've said, uh, we should be pushing these uh, social, social capitalist view, or not even capitalist views, but social, socialism, socialist views, in which case in, in, in the same breath, they were holding an iPhone. They were, uh, they were using modern technology all based on capitalist ideals. So I, I laugh at that because billions of people over time have been lifted out of poverty because of capitalism. It creates jobs, it creates innovation, it creates new industries. I mean, case in point is social media for modern day appeal, right? You're seeing all the different social media apps being created. And as a result of that, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, I mean, it keeps going on and on. That's all as a result of capitalism. But socialists are standing in the way of our growth, which ultimately will destroy this nation's economy and our footprint as America's hegemon across our world. What do you what do you see? What do you think Long Island's biggest issues are right now? Long Island's biggest issues will always be the economy. It will always be safe communities and our focus on education. Water quality is something that I took hold of. Um, I was a, I was a co-chair of the statewide water quality task force. I was in the state legislature focusing on proactive policies to protect our water quality for the next generation. Specifically, uh, I wanted to make sure we don't drain our aquifer beneath us. We want to recharge it, which is critical to keeping our, um, to diluting specifically a lot of toxins that we saw where we had to treat that. But on top of it, we had saltwater intrusion from the outside coming into our island. That's a big problem. That's happening because you're weakening the, the drinking water below. Um, so little things such as creating porous asphalt, something that I really wanted to push where instead of having big parking lots of black asphalt, you have porous asphalt where the water can permeate and recharge our aquifer naturally. So that would be a big step to go in the right direction um, to allow us for a future. Another thing's gonna be about drawing. As you become more and more populated Long Island, 
uh, you're having more and more people draw from the well. But again, if we don't replenish the well, what happens when it's gone? You saw that in New York City where now they get all their water from upstate. Yeah. And that's, you know, we pride ourselves as Long Islanders as clean water. So we need to protect that clean water. And you're looking at approximately 80 billion in the next 20 years to modernize your wastewater and drinking water infrastructure across the across statewide, that is. But for me, Long Island, that'd be a central focus. We got to do it. So you not to be the guy that just talks about taxes because everybody talks about taxes. taxes. Everybody, talk, everybody talks about taxes. And listen, what are you going to do to lower my taxes? <laughs> I remember always getting that. That's it's, the best. It's, you know what it is? I don't, I don't mind the taxes. It's, it's paying the taxes. That's, that's whatever. But I think a lot of people's thing is, things are, it's like you go to Florida and you drive around Yep. and the roads are beautiful. And like, I think a lot, a lot of people's things are is maybe things aren't run as efficiently. So funds aren't used efficiently, efficiently. Yeah. So as a result, you have a yeah. shit ton of waste. That's true. And what do you have to show for it? I think that's the bigger issue than paying the actual taxes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, we just had a $227, billion budget New York State just passed, which is ludicrous. I mean, that's, that's insane. You're looking at 220-something billion. You have half that in Florida, but we're looking at a different context, right? You look at uh, our schools are better, but we're also paying approximately $32,000 approximate uh, per capita, per, so per student. Okay. That's how much every, every New Yorker pays for the students. So you're paying a lot for your education. That's what we pride ourselves on. Two thirds of our property taxes are based on strictly school taxes. But ask, ask all these people, when was the last time you voted, on your, voted in your school uh, elections, school board elections? Yeah. They didn't do it. Did you go to your school budget? Did you do that? No. Okay. So do you go to your local elections? You're voting on that with your town and county? No. Okay. So you're complaining to me, but once again, it goes to that, cert that, that same issue where I talked to you about. Those are the ones who are controlling a lot of what's going on. The state, do you care that we just have a $220-something billion budget? Does that matter to you? Does it matter to you that we sent a billion dollars of New York State taxpayer money to New York City to care for the migrant crisis that's occurring? Does that matter to you? If not, then no big deal. But if, it, if that matters to you, then you should probably be in, better informed. Yeah, no, I was hoping you'd touch about that because I, I think a lot of people like to complain about taxes, but they don't realize that two-thirds of the taxes go towards the school. Two-thirds, straight up school. I mean, you look at 12,000, 12,000 is the median school, the median property tax, 8,000 of that right off the bat is going to your two schools. So if you have a problem with that, then you got to talk to your school board and your state officials who controlled all that budget. On top of it, we just had our Medicaid budget. I think this year would be the first time ever. You guys check the details of that. It's about to exceed. It's either about to or has exceeded $100 billion, Medicaid, which is the state state, uh, state responsibility. What, um, where are you taking this in the future? Are you, are you staying? You're obviously a very young guy. You've done a lot in politics at this point. Are you sticking in politics? Are you going to go more the business route? Are you going to stay in real estate? expand the firm, do it all. Yeah, I think we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep being out there. I mean, the, the, the big thing for me was the show is I, I just really wanna pro keep promoting this knowledge and expertise for people to learn and be informed. And from there, let them take it as they want. But ultimately that's been my goal is, is as far as next steps, we're just gonna let it ride and just go with the flow. At the end of the day, it's about pushing myself to reach as, as high as I can in terms of my own talent, expertise, and abilities. You never, you never want to be that person that doesn't go for something because of fear. That's what I said before. So now for me, I got to live by my words. You know, actions speak louder than words. So ultimately, I'm just going to keep pushing myself, rising 
getting myself anytime I feel complacent, I want to keep pushing myself out of that zone. I want to feel on edge. I want to feel concerned. I want to feel nervous. I want to feel that I can fail because failure is the only way to build and grow. So many people are concerned about failure, but all the experts, the best talent in our, in our, throughout our history in sports or others has always failed. I mean, that's what it takes. How do you get yourself there? Meaning like mentally, because I think that's probably 99% of people's problems, right? It's afraid of failure. Yeah. Afraid of failure. Don't want to be uncomfortable. They get anxiety and, and this extends to every aspect of their life, right? Yeah. Because the only, but the, the, every, every great person was terrible at that same position or that same job, that same skill set. They were awful at it. And they just kept doing it and then getting better and better and learning from it. I mean, you had, let's look at it. Let's look at athletes, right? You have Michael Jordan, he gets cut from his JV team. I think his ninth grade team it was. You have Tom Brady, who was absolutely uh, bottom of the barrel last draft, right? You have um, Tiger Woods, who hit like a thousand balls a day and just kept hitting. And he actually started just by putting first. Tiger Woods learned the opposite. He actually started putting first and just be able to putt and get through that rhythm and then slowly moved up to the driver was the last. So all these guys, Kobe Bryant was somebody that used to just after practice, go and play one-on-one -on -one or do um, shoot, keep shooting free throws and whatnot. You gotta keep cultivating your, your talent. Dennis Rodman, he was notorious for this, is he would ask, uh, be, at the, be at the bottom of the hoop and he would ask trainers and other, other players, his teammates, to just shoot the ball at the hoop. And he was studying where the ball was landing. Was it on the left side of the rim? Okay, the bounce goes there. If it's at this part of the rim, the bounce goes there. He didn't know that at, just from being born. He, he learned all that from, from practice and training and development and growth. Nobody becomes number one when they're born. Everyone becomes, the, the only the, the ones who become number one, the ones that spend the most time cultivating their talent and pushing themselves because they want it that badly. How badly do you want it? That's what it comes down to. How badly, how many, what sacrifices are you willing to take? Are you willing to make those sacrifices? Are you willing to spend the weekends, the nights, the days? Are you using your time efficiently? At nighttime, you say you want to write a book, but at nighttime you're watching Netflix, or you, you put in pen to paper. So those are the, that's what it comes down to too. A lot of people, they want, they, they want something, but how much, you have to want it as much as you want to breathe. That's what it comes down to. E.T. So that's it. Eric, uh, Eric Thomas. Eric. Yeah, so I'm saying, you got to want it as much as you want to breathe. That's what it really comes down to. Because that's, I mean, other than that, when you take that deep breath, when, you're, when you dunk yourself underwater and try to breathe and then you hold it for as long as possible, and when you run to that, when you swim to that top and you take that big breath, that's the feeling that you should have with pursuing whatever dream or vision or goals you have. Do you wanna stay local and make a difference on Long Island or are you looking to go national? No, I mean, it's, for me, it's just being involved. I think that's, that's really my focus is just being involved and helping. Right now, I, I would just help great legislators in the, in the state or federal or local, all just with good policies and good values to be out there. Um, so that for me is what my, my biggest goals are. If I can contribute in any way, then that's my avenue. You know, I, 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 I had to vacate my state legislative seat when I took the shot to run for Congress after Pete King retired, um, unfortunately lost in a primary. And just at, at that point, then I was just focused on building business. So, but I'm always gonna take that shot because he was there for 28 years. 
And for me, it was uh, when you could ever have a, an opportunity again. You don't ever want to. You never want to live with regret, right? No, never. You want to take the opportunity, rather no, try and no and fail, than never try and wonder. What do you want your legacy to be? I think it's a matter. I mean, like anybody, right? You always want to make a difference in whatever avenue you pursue your, your life. So for me, if I could impact people's lives in a positive way and, and help help them, and, and that was something that was so great for me is when I got to see that people that, where they needed help with their businesses to stay open, or they're looking to have services or certain legislation might affect them, being able to talk to talk them about it and trying to cultivate ideas to help them. I mean, that's what it is, right? Just like anything. It seems like you have this kind of in, ingrained, innate kind of thing where you where you want to help people, which is obviously what what draws you to public service. Yeah. Where does that come from? I'm just curious. Um, I got. I think you. I mean, it, it comes We're going down, deep. We're going like childhood deep right now. Yeah, I think it comes down to. I mean, my, I had a. I have great parents. I mean, they're my angels. My mother, and my father. They were people that. I mean, they worked five jobs to do well for help me and my sister and give, give us a great life. So, you know, I saw that type of, I guess, commitment to us. And so in the sense, I want to commit myself to people who also need and people who also want help. So I guess psychologically and introspection in that in a 20 second preview probably would be that in that sense and that semblance and wanting to uh, inculcate those lessons into other onto others. Yeah, I was just curious because I mean, for what you do, you have to be very selfless. You have to have a lot of patience with people. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, obviously I, I'm not in politics, but I do development. So when I'm d proposing these large developments, people come at you. Like crazy. Hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> screaming at you like I'm trying to build this thing and they are screaming at you like you are trying to sell kids into sex slavery yeah. or like selling drugs on the street corner in <laughs> front of an elementary record, school. For the record, you're not doing, right? Yes, no, okay, no. Just, for the record, no. <laughs> um, so it's it's very hard and I, I commend you for, for going through that and working through that to basically help those people. Like you're getting screamed at and all you're trying to do is make the world a better place for those people. Yeah, but you know what? It's always about which people, right? Some people will say that's not that's not what I want to do, and I don't like that path you want to take. So, but they're free to do that. That's why we live in a great country. The First Amendment right to have free speech. So I love it. I may not agree with what you have to say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. That was Voltaire. That was that wasn't me. So, so you're aware. Just so, <laughs> just to put that on the record. But that's a that, that's what our our country is founded upon. Yeah. Those ideals. Is that it? Yeah. It's just I wish. I just, I really wish people could hear each other more. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, they hear them. They don't listen. It's that's like, the key. I can hear you. You're screaming at me. I'm screaming <laughs> at you. I hear that. I'm not listening to your words. Sometimes though, and this is the issue, is that in large part, in large part, there is no real intellectual debate. They're not. They're just screaming. They're they're calling each other names. It's ad hominem attacks as opposed to a real dialogue. And that's what we've lost. We've lost that because we've relegated to this mean style of campaigning and headlines and TikTok. I got you for 30 seconds. I got you for 20 seconds. I got you for 10 seconds. That's it. So I gotta say, I gotta say you're a fascist. I gotta say you're homophobic. I gotta say you're a bigot. I gotta say you're xenophobic. And that's it. I gotta label you. I gotta say you're a socialist, vice versa. I gotta label you because anything other than that, nobody's gonna, who's listening? If we're, they're hearing, but they're not listening. 
No, good point. Final question that's been rattling around in my head. You think Trump should run? Should Trump run? That is a crazy topic because you're going to have a group that just loves him. And the fact that they're go that people are going after him. You had Alvin Bragg just like mobilize and weaponize the office to go after him in that respect. And with those charges, if you if you look at the charges, it's pretty weak. Like he 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 hasn't brought anything against anybody else with something like that, but he focused on Trump with it. Then at the same time, he has this lawsuit that just happens where he has to pay he, jury finds him guilty uh, of liable, excuse me, um, has to pay out five million in damages. So you're looking at that. So this group that is just gung ho, that group's gonna say, absolutely, he's he's gotta be running. That's what they're gonna say. Then you have another group that's like, he is just so polarizing that all he's gonna do is divide this country. And then you have the group in the middle that's just like, I'm torn with which one the best. But that's why we have elections. That's why we have primaries. Ultimately, it's gonna come down to, I wanna see that if he runs and others is what happens. Does the loyal, do the loyalists just stand together? Are they gonna go? You're gonna, you're gonna vet out the debates. You're gonna have these ideas. You're gonna really talk about these issues. And that's ultimately what we should be. It shouldn't be a black or white. It's, that's okay living the gray as an attorney. I've done this my entire life is you live in the gray. It's okay to, to walk the line and learn about, it's gonna be dependent on facts. It's gonna be dependent on current economic climate. Uh, geopolitical affairs, what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, what's happening with Taiwan and China, what's North Korea doing? These are all issues. What's India um, doing? What are they doing with, with Africa now? We're having a big problem with that, where China's invading, focusing on buying uh, African areas for raw materials, et cetera. How that's going to affect our economy, right? And industry. So they're doing the same thing in Afghanistan. We, we withdrew from Afghanistan. So we withdrew from Afghanistan. And uh, as a result of that, we had the Taliban take over. Now Taliban selling rights to China to utilize this raw materials. So these are real stuff. I mean, Middle East, what's going on with the attacks on Israel? I was over in the World, uh, World Summer for Counterterrorism last year uh, around 9-11. And we learned all about from Mossad and the ISA, et cetera, how, what Iran was doing and mobilizing and weaponizing Hezbollah and funding Hezbollah and other uh, terrorist organizations. So. All this comes plays into part when you ask me that question. These are all these details that are going to be relevant to making that decision. Jesus. So it's never what people need to learn. It's never just a simple yes or no, agree or disagree. You have to take everything in totality to make your educated decision to do what's best under the yeah. given circumstances. I guess the biggest issue that will continue, and I don't know what the answer to that is, and I don't know if there is an answer, definitely not a simple one, is... People need to be educated, informed, and want to be educated and informed, and most of them don't. Yeah, and what that's going to come down to is there comes a turning point where the person that doesn't care then all of a sudden sees that their paycheck, 60% of it is now, or 50% of it is now taxed instead of 33, right? What happened with that? Taxes were raised. That's what happened. The person's going to get have their family beaten. You know, when I was a representative, I went all out with the governor specifically to have, um, at the time... Babylon train station manned by law enforcement. Why? It's specifically, I had a mother tell me that her child was on the train going to high school, 14-year-old boy. And uh, there, was a there was a homeless man that came on to the train and uh, found himself outside of his clothes looking at the boy. And so the boy, the boy fled, ran away, and that came to me. And so she, she came to me, the mother came to me and said, do something, right? So 
I did something, but I had to go to war with the governor at the time uh, to get it done. So I had to go, I had to speak with his, it was a whole separate thing, but we, but that's, that's what it takes. You got to do what's necessary for your district. So um, ultimately you got those people are going to have those moments occur and they're going to say, why did this happen? Oh, this is why this is a problem. Now you're going to pay the price of my vote. Well, I commend you, sir, because you have a lot more patience than I am. You are, you're a better man than I am. I don't know, I don't know how you, you do it, how you navigate it, how you wake up every day and, and charge ahead with, with the vigor. But uh, I appreciate you coming and I appreciate knowing you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Uh, obviously, I recommend everyone checks out the show. Anybody obviously looking to buy or sell a house, how do they get in touch with you? How do they reach out to you? Yeah, just go to at Mike LaPetri or you call us at our, our office, uh, 516-570-9557 or Mike at O'SheaLaurie.com. Um, and if you have any other political questions, governmental inquiries, qu problems that you're facing with the uh, state or local, mm -hmm. uh, just shoot me an email or hit me up on uh, Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> Charles Brown, a handsome home buyer, anything real estate related, you know I wanna buy it. 516-777-SOLD, that's a wrap.